0: Powered through the Alaska Airlines studios. This is Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports. Sports. Streaming through the Seattle Sports app. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross.
1: Here we go now. Cracking breakaways. That's the theme of the open. It's the weekend in Seattle sports. Getting you caught up with what you need to know. Luis Castillo, by the way, getting the start today for the Mariners. We got a two-hour show that game coming to you live at noon. First pitch is at twelve ten. Curtis Rogers in for Michael Bumpus today. Curtis, What's how up? are you? doing well. That's how are so you? That's so wonderful. Moving on on wow, Sunday. Right.
2: The- <laughs> I mean, I <laughs> asked kidding. how you were doing. Well, I'm not
1: well. Um, oh, no. No, I know. No one asked except for you just You're now. You're unwell? I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but... Oh, there it was Real Housewives
2: drama? It's not Real Housewives
1: it? drama. However, um, I put out a poll to the people. Uh. I let the people speak, and I said, you get four choices of what we're going to talk about to open the show. And it was uh, uh, Wazoo Women Making History, which we are going to get to in 15 minutes. Uh, we got um, Kraken and Mariners ended up tying at 34%. Only 6% of uh, 1,200 people who voted said that they wanted to hear about the Vanderpump Rules. And so, because I respect... So it- It's
2: not Vanderpump rules or Real Housewives drama. It's the disrespect shown. Exactly. Well,
1: it's both of it. Basically, what it is is because I believe in democracy Uh, uh, and in giving people a voice, I am not going to talk about it. However, I just think that.
2: Even though we've kind of opened the show with
1: Well, no, 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 no. I opened the show by letting listeners know that they really let me down. And now I'm going to move on. I
2: I (laughs) regret asking you how you were. (laughs) On
1: Sunday, the Mariners (laughs) got a 6-1 win over the Brewers in Cactus League play. That included three home runs. One from Jared Kelnick, his fourth of the spring.
0: Here's the next pitch. Kelnick swung on high drive. Center field just gonna watch that baby get out of here over the batter's eye jk jared keldick with a home run wow his fourth of the season there was no doubt about that one
1: five nothing seattle His most recent of uh, spring training also felt like his biggest, a good spring so far for Jared Kelnick, Curtis, every single home run he hits, he's now up to four. I am reminding myself more and more not to buy in too much, and it's almost getting too late. I am almost crossing that line. Uh,
2: The home run that he hit yesterday, to me, has told the biggest story about his spring so far. Because all the other ones, you know, no one knows who he hit him off of. No one remembers who he hit the first three off Mm -hmm. of. But yesterday, hitting that home run off Devin Williams, who, in my opinion, is the best relief pitcher in the National League, uh, that says a lot. And and being able to not just hit the ball that far, uh, but do it against one of the game's very best, that says good things about Jared Kelnick. Now, you can point to Kelnick hitting a home run off Garrett Cole last year mm-hmm. in the regular season and, and kind of be like, well, he's done it against... He, he's He can run into one. He has power. We know that. Um, but just kind of seeing the totality of his swings, uh, his swing path, everything about his spring so far has been encouraging. There have been no steps backwards yet and and that's the I think that's a measuring stick that you want to have in spring is not seeing a guy regress or fall into old mm-hmm. habits, and we know how tricky that can be for Kelnick, who if he has an off day here or there, uh, you can see it kind of you know just pile on top. But that hasn't happened yet in spring.
1: Well, and I would like to say, while he absolutely blazed through the minors in 2019, I want to say went through three levels. Like, he was a great hitter in the minor leagues mm-hmm. uh, and obviously has struggled with the big leagues. It's not like, I mean, to my memory, unless you know otherwise, he's like absolutely raked in spring training. You know what I mean? Like, to me, this is positive. And I know we are not supposed to read too much into this. Spring training is about like, who looks good at the plate, uh, who's introduced some new stuff that looks pretty solid, who's healthy, um, you know, how do approaches look, how do mechanics look, anything like that. And if you're just looking at stats or, uh, you know, maybe just hearing highlights, all you can take away is, like, numbers. And all you can take away is Jared Kilnick has four home runs, and that last one was over the batter's eye. But to me, that's worth taking away. That's, Did, yeah. That is important.
2: I mean, look at last year. Look at last spring. Jared Kelnick struggled in the spring. There were, I think, the final game of spring training, he had two home runs, and everybody's kind of like, okay, maybe Kelnick has has finally rid himself of, you know, what has kept him from, you know, performing well at the major league level. Obviously, that didn't happen last year, Um, but... Also, similarly, Julio Rodriguez had an incredible spring a Mm -hmm. year ago and forced his way onto the roster. And as we know, that that was the beginning of one of the greatest seasons in Mariners' baseball history. Um, I think you can take the good that Jared Kelnick is giving you uh, and and think that there is something more to this. There is something beyond what we're seeing uh, with his spring performance so far. And uh, hopefully that translates into the regular season based off of how the rosters is looking. He is going to be your left fielder more often than not. Obviously they brought in AJ Pollock to bat against left-handed pitching. Um, but right now I think it's Jared Kelnick's job uh, to lose and he's not relinquishing it, which is a good thing. He's going out there. He's attacking. He is, you know, grabbing this thing and, and not letting
1: go. Well, and I want to stress this part of it from the 253. It means nada, Curtis. That means nothing. Oh. But um, it means something only because Jared Kelnick means something. And it's. Um, I don't mean for the entire spring training conversation to focus on a player who hasn't been able to um, really meet potential or contribute uh, a lot at a major league level yet. When there are so many other really exciting names for us to talk about in spring training, a couple of those names are heading to the WBC right now. So they're just not going to be around for us to talk about, but also, and I know we're going to get to it a little bit more. Also, it matters because of what this team could be. If maybe just one other person takes off and I've, a- Pretty promising candidate is Jared Kelnick. An encouraging candidate is Jared Kelnick.
2: It is. If Jared Kelnick, I'm not even going to say if Jared Kelnick becomes what we had thought he could become when he first came up in the 2021 season, but if Jared Kelnick can give you simply league average production this season, you're looking at a Mariners team that won 90 games largely without him a year ago. Mm-hmm. Positive production in the lineup, you're looking at a team that can go from, from 90 to 93, 94 wins. And as we've talked about a lot, Stacy, that jump from 90 to like 95, 96, 97 wins, one of the toughest things you can yep. do in baseball. And you're going to need more guys to outperform their projections the way you had last year, where you had a lot of guys had career years. Cal Raleigh, so, you know, obviously that was just his second year in the big leagues, but Logan Gilbert took a step forward. George Kirby was incredible uh, coming from the minor leagues. You're going to need more guys like that to emerge here in 2023 if you want to get back to the postseason
1: uh i'm gonna see if i can pull up the lineups for today as a reminder for you guys i know a lot of the mariners games are um tape delayed today's game is going to be live julio or not julio uh, luis castillo is uh is on the mound today um Julio, no, a couple other guys are no
2: Kelnick in the lineup today. I
1: was going to say a couple guys headed to uh, WBC.
2: Yeah, Julio is off to uh, the team uh, Dominican Republic. You got Colton Wong. Got that team, by the way. Yeah, Always that team's a juggernaut. Um, Colton Leo. Wong, Ty France, JP Crawford, Cal Raleigh, Leonis Martin, old ah. old friend, uh, Sam Haggerty, Cole Calhoun, Mike Ford, Caden Marlowe. That's your starting nine today.
1: Good to what we uh, was it Shannon who said it'll be really interesting for the middle infield. She was like, "While these Mm -hmm. guys are gone, there's a couple things you're looking for. You're looking for depth. You're looking for what it looks like, but also your middle infield is going to remain. So you're looking to see what your, you know, what JP is going to look like. You know what that platoon is going to look like at second. Uh, Before I get to um, our next story here, I mentioned bombs and breakaways. You're getting a lot of love for your uh, Sonics hat. Yeah, wow. And I just have to say, I'm I'm upset that I'm left out. That no one's asking me about my Chicago Bulls. Well, because.
2: Like, this town remembers the 96 finals, Stacey.
1: Well, why don't they remember the 90s Bulls? I don't know if you know this.
2: No, I'm very familiar with them. <laughs> they're, but, they're,
1: I mean, if saying. we're going to
2: put it to a poll, I think I'm you think the landslide people, winner here. You're telling
1: me more people in Seattle care about the Sonics? That's wild. <laughs> I don't know about that yes, one. I don't actually. know about that one. Meanwhile, the Kraken beat the Colorado Avalanche in OT thanks to a goal from Yanni Gord.
0: Kraken had the puck, I believe, a whole overtime to this point. Now, Gunny Gordon is in. He scores! Hey,
1: hey, what do you say? All right. The Kraken are winners of four straight sweeping this road trip. Seattle's in third place in the Pacific Division. Two places, or excuse me, two points uh, behind the LA Kings. So, I mean, a Kings loss, a Kraken win. You make up those two points. I don't believe the Knights are too far ahead of anyone else either. It's a very close division race right now.
2: Just keep this Kraken team on the road. Don't play any games at Climate Pledge. They are juggernauts away from Seattle. A four-game road trip, winning them all, coming home with eight points. We saw earlier this season setting the NHL record for uh, longest road win streak across a a single road trip. They won seven straight on that road trip earlier this season. Uh, Don't bring this team home. Like, keep them away from Seattle. Good things are going to happen. Uh, you can't be more encouraged by how they closed out yesterday's game with the goal by Brandon Tanev near the end of regulation and then Yanni Gord picking up the OT winner against Colorado, against the defending Stanley Cup champions, a team that when we had Greg Wasinski on last week mm-hmm. basically said that everybody's playing for second place when it comes to facing Colorado in the postseason, even though Colorado hasn't exactly ran away with things in the Western Conference. Yeah, and I was going to say. At full strength, people still believe, first. yeah, people still believe that Colorado is the best team in the West. You're 2 0 1 against Colorado this season, so that. That bodes well for the Kraken as they, you know, make this late push and hopefully clinch their first ever playoff. For that
1: matter, against Eastern Conference leaders like you've played the best teams the in Bruins? NHL yeah. pretty well. I mean, you've split with them, but still played them really, really closely. I mean, that was a great last game. Seattle didn't come away with the win, but still fantastic. Um, for sure. Uh, while we're on the Kraken, I think the one thing uh, that they, um, you know had a chance to do, which was respond well after not making a move at the trade deadline is exactly what they did. I was fully prepared to come in here and, you know, there was a world where we were going to have a conversation about like, Hey, this is still a playoff team. They've looked great. Like, you know, they've, they've had a great fight. They've improved so much, but God, they've still got some holes and they do. But if there ever was a time to respond with not making a move, it was by saying, Hey, this is a good team. And for Ron Francis, Hey, I like our team. Well, that team just won four straight.
2: They did win four straight Won four straight on the road. And Andre Burakovsky has resumed skating. I think that was the last we saw uh, from when they were practicing prior to this road trip. So there's a chance to get him back within the next couple of weeks. Uh, then you're playing at full strength with, at the time, was your leading scorer when he went down with the injury. Uh, that can only bode well for them going forward. Uh, man, it feels like Yanni Gord has just really kind of taken it upon himself in the absence of Andre Burakovsky and been like, yeah, I'm going to be the one. Scoring a lot of big goals here. I'm going to be the one, uh, you know, just getting into, Mm -hmm. you know, mixing it up with the opponents. He is one of the fan favorites. Brandon Tanev is probably the most, you know, fan favorite, just in terms of personality, in terms of just how much he grinds out there on the ice. But Yanni Gord has... uh, been very impressive over the last couple weeks picking up the ot winner last night
1: all right they just had four on the road swept that one now they got four at home that begins with the ducks tomorrow they're also taking on the senators the stars it wraps up with the game monday march 13th against the stars again you got a game saturday a game monday you s- have then you, you seen the their
2: schedule coming up against uh dallas they have a five game stretch they played dallas three times in that five games including Two games oh, yeah, in the, back-to-back days here in Seattle. Uh,
1: Yeah, they have, well, back-to-back days?
2: Yeah. Get intimately familiar with the Dallas Stars coming up.
1: Okay. Well, I saw, um, so they have... Um,
2: or like back-to-back home games, at y- least.
1: Yes, back-to-back home games. So they have Saturday and then the following Monday. Saturday, yeah. March 11th, Monday, March 13th, and then the uh, the 21st, which is the fifth game
2: of yeah. that stretch. so three of their next five games Man. against the Dallas Stars. Often uh, been
1: a huge fan of, of uh, beating the Dallas Stars is what I've always said. Yeah. Yeah, can't yeah. wait to do that. Um, also, uh, John Bouchagras, friend of the show, great NHL mind and voice, is uh, going to be in Seattle for that one. That game's going to be on EOCM Plus as a heads up to people. Uh, he's uh, flying in for that.
2: Nice. Oh I like God. that. I wish we
1: could try to get him on the show. He's probably sitting so in the studio doing- or yeah. something. Oh, God. Can you imagine? Maybe if we tempt him with some chicken parm.
2: If you know where good chicken parm is around like East Lake here in Seattle. Hit hey, us up or let me send know. one on over so yeah. we can stop. tempt him You in. need
1: to stop I asking love, for food. I, you, no, I'm not
2: asking for you it. I am the most challenging. Most shameless. No, you I'm do this I'm challenging every time. our listeners. You do this
1: every time. We talk about food. You'll go, yeah, I mean, if you can think of, I mean, if you're a friend of Pop-Tarts or yeah, a fan, yeah. go send ahead and it send on those over. into the studio. Yeah, What's your favorite flavor? Yeah. Stop. Stop it. God. I love our listeners because no. they come through. Stop it. Stop. I'm like the Michael Jordan meme. Stop. Let's get to headline rewrites. Extra extra read all
0: about it. Headline rewrites. We must make headlines. The real story behind the headlines in today's news with Bob and
2: Headline number 1, the first quarterback domino of the offseason has fallen. Derek Carr signing with the New Orleans Saints. What's the real headline?
1: Unfortunately for Derek, there's only one quarterback we're all watching right now. He's not in New Orleans. No, no, no. That is the real headline and the quarterback, of course, that I'm talking about is Aaron Rodgers. We're going to get to this in four-down territory, but it's looking increasingly likely that Rodgers could be on the move. He's under contract with Green Bay. This would have to be via trade and Curtis. Something tells me that the Jets jockeying for Derek Carr was really just to try to put pressure on the Aaron Rodgers situation and uh, if I'm Aaron Rod I was thinking, like, you're not gonna get Derek over me, are you? Kidding? <laughs> like, I'll take, I'll take all the time I need.
2: You know what this means, though. Derek Carr can't be a Hall of Famer if he wins a Super Bowl in New Orleans. He's, he's just another quarterback. What
1: are you talking about? He oh, can't be. Oh, yeah. that was the take about. Because
2: if he had won in New York, he was apparently hmm. destined for the Hall of Fame. Now okay, if he I'm went sorry, to New Orleans. There was a
1: case. There was a case, a devil's advocate case to be made nah. for Derek Carr, who. Does not have horrible career stats. He's just not the guy. Like, he has not been the. The very best player on his team. Yeah. But he's been a good quarterback. But it is hard to separate Derek Carr and say it's been a Derek Carr issue when that Raiders team has been horrible, not only from the top down with management, with all of their draft picks, but also the defense has never been above 20th.
2: I just don't think that the Saints are a better team in terms of roster talent than the Raiders right now. They are it in kind a more of... wide
1: open division, though. You want yes, to talk about trying to win the, in the By AFC far the best quarterback
2: in the NFC there's South. Kyle and it's Trask. not even close. No,
1: there's Kyle Trask. PJ uh,
2: Walker. Is he still there?
1: No, there's uh, Dennis Ritter, right? Or is Desmond he a Desmond Ritter. Killer?
2: Dennis Ritter is an actor, isn't he? <laughs> no, it's, no, one of
1: them's a serial oh, killer. Oh, no.
2: John Ritter is the <laughs> actor.
1: Uh, and uh, I was thinking of Dennis. I don't know. And um, Dennis God, who, am I, who am I missing?
2: Uh, Sam Darnold. He's still in Carolina, right? I don't even
1: know anymore. No, is he a free agent? He's a free agent for sure. Sam Darnold's a free agent. Jacob
2: Eason, I saw, was in the NFC South.
1: I don't even know what's happening with the NFC South. Let me tell you what. Either way, Carolina's adding a quarterback. Let's see who it's going to be. What's the next headline?
2: (laughs) Headline rewrites. Headline number two, Ben DiNucci linking up with Josh Gordon for the game-winning touchdown to give the Sea Dragons their first win of the season. Here's how it sounded. DiNucci. Takes a shot off field to Gordon. Gordon caught it. Gordon's backstepping. Gordon's going to score. <laughs> <laughs> thats I believe that's Ben DiNucci mic up. Uh, what is the real headline?
1: It's a touch down. Uh, Benvenuti. Yeah, I never miss an opportunity to stress the uh Italianness of of Benvenuti name and not only that but the Italianness of that touchdown it's a touchdown uh it's it was really cool a good day for josh gordon overall uh it's always tempting to see his talent even at you know in the xfl where there is a lot of not nfl level talent just guys kind of trying to get a second shot um i don't know if gordon will ever play in the nfl ever again but i am glad that he has an opportunity to uh to just still play this game i mean he's Fun to watch. He's still fun to watch. If there's one thing we could take away from this, it was that, right?
2: Yeah. No matter what league he's playing in or what team he is on, if Josh Gordon's on the field, my eyes are going to where he is. And glad to see it pay off in a big way giving the Sea Dragons their first win since 2020. Uh, a dramatic win, by the way. That touchdown came with about a minute left to play, getting the win over the Vegas Vipers. Shout out to Ben Donucci and, and Josh Danucci. Gordon. Headline Rewrites. What do you think those two rank in terms of quarterback-wide receiver tandems in this city, history? You got Russ and Doug, Russ and Tyler.
1: I mean... You
2: got Jim Zorn and, and Steve Largent.
1: Would Matt Hasselbeck, Daryl Jackson. Tent? Of course, you got. we're going collegiate because you got, then you uh, got to throw in some guys. I mean, Jake Locker, Jermaine Curse was solid during during my time. Uh, what are you talking about? Jake
2: Locker, in my mind, overrated well, as a college quarterback.
1: Sure, because he wasn't an accurate quarterback, but he yeah. was a great athlete and still like...
2: Seneca Wallace and Michael Bumpus. That's a good quarterback. Yeah, one, of the best. one of the best. I, I don't know. If, me. Matt Hasselbeck threw Bump his only touchdown in the NFL, so Hasselbeck and Bump I Hasselbeck think and Bump, I would say that's one of the one legendary three. ones yeah. Yeah. Uh, Headline number three, speaking of Bump the seventh-seeded Wazoo women's basketball team defeated UCLA 65-61 to win their first ever Pac-12 tournament, clinching an automatic berth into the NCAA women's tournament. What's the real headline? Now,
1: I was going to have the real headline be history-made, but instead I went with an underrated Cinderella story. And here's why. We all love Cinderella stories no matter what. It's one of the best narratives you can have in sports, right? I mean, you think of the very best sports movies, almost always they are Cinderella stories. And this was one that kind of, it didn't go under the radar. Uh, it just wasn't appreciated in a sense that I think women's sports are often not appreciated as much, but... I cannot stress the importance of their win. They became the first Wazoo program to win any Pac-12 championship since 2002. Obviously, Wazoo Cougs football. And it was the first Pac-12 title in any women's sports for the Cougs. And because Bump isn't here, I can say, go, go Cougs. Cougs. Well,
2: and the Pac-12 is really deep when it comes to women's basketball. You've got a lot of great programs in that conference. Mm-hmm. And to see Wazoo... Arizona
1: just... Uh, A couple years ago there in the national
2: title game. Stanford won that year in the national title game. UCLA obviously beating or being the team that Wazoo beat. Uh, USC has a storied history in terms of women's basketball. So like this is no joke what Wazoo women were able to pull off yesterday.
1: And they had to get by number two, Utah.
2: Yeah, Utah's in the top five in terms of uh, just overall rankings in the country. Oregon and Oregon State have had really good runs too in the the conference. So uh, shout out to the Cougs getting the job done. Uh, they lock up the automatic birth conference tournament time. Sneaky, sneaky fun time in college basketball yeah. because uh, it's not the NCAA tournament, but there's still a lot of drama.
1: Someone sent me us uh, into the Mac uh, MacAjack's text line. Gino Smith tweeting from 20 minutes ago. Thank you, Lord. Oh, what does it mean? Oh. Who knows? This is this is a. Uh, cryptic tweet season
2: it is I mean we saw Derek Carr's getting paid it's four years 100 million guaranteed Damn,
1: Derek 150
2: million total
1: Mel Kuyper's latest speaking of quarterbacks his latest mock draft has the Seahawks taking Florida quarterback Anthony Richardson at number nine overall after his record-setting combine performance Anthony not Mel Kuyper that might be the case coming up next someone who knows Richardson well tells us everything we need to know about the Florida star
2: Bump and Stacy
0: powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios on Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Rost.
1: All right, joining us now on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline, it's Graham Hall of 24-7 Sports and Swamp 24-7. The biggest star of the combine was quarterback Anthony Richardson. And I know here in Seattle we're all focused on defensive players, but let me tell you what, Mel Kuyper Jr.'s latest mock has Seattle trading back to 9, taking this guy ninth overall, so let's learn a bit more about him. Uh, Graham, I'm so happy, you know, that you joined us. I, I mentioned that Anthony Richardson set all these position records uh, for broad jump, vertical jump, did any of that surprise you?
0: No, not at all. I've actually been very lucky enough to cover Anthony Richardson since he was fourteen years old. Prior to joining 24 7 Sports, I worked at the Gainesville Sun covering local prep sports. And Anthony was a absolute, you know, dazzling star from the age of fourteen. He was dunking at the age of twelve, played basketball, and he was the quarterback of his team on an offense that really wasn't great. And often what he had to do was make eight, nine defenders miss in the open field or chuck it 60 yards down the field to an open receiver. I saw that time and time again. I was not surprised from seeing the backflips on concrete, from seeing him hurdle defenders that he showed up at the combine with his stock as high as it is as a potential top 10, if not the number one overall pick in the draft that he showed up to show people how impressive he is that 40.5 inch vertical leap, how good he was in the broad jump, the absolute just his agility is his best asset i think that when it came to throwing i was actually a little bit surprised by that because i do think from a mechanical standpoint that he does leave a little bit to be desired but it is important to show teams exactly where you are right now where you need to improve so that they can be making a very conscious decision and understand the product that they're getting he knows he's not a perfect quarterback but he just showed that he's willing to go out there and put in the work and show teams that he's competitive and willing to do it i think that that served him just as well as those metrics did and all the drills.
2: Graham, prior to the Combine, we saw a lot of draft experts say that Richardson is a project quarterback, maybe somebody that you draft and stash for a year before he becomes your starter. After what we saw in Indy over the weekend, uh, do you think that still fits him, or is he going to be somebody that starts from day one in the NFL?
0: That's a tough question. I do think that the project label is quite interesting. I can, uh, of course, understand why he's going to come out and say, hey, I'm not a project, I'm a, a guy who deserves to be taken in the first round, you can put me in games and I can make plays for you. I think from the mental aspect, like I said, some mechanics, some footwork things of when he throws, that stuff maybe is going to keep him from being a day one starter in the NFL, but there's no problem with that. There's a huge benefit to sitting, learning the system, maybe you know, one, two, three years Uh, With another veteran on the roster, you can learn the position, what it takes. I think that benefits quarterbacks a lot. The last thing you really want to be do is thrown into the fire. And for a team that's going to go win two, three games and have your development stunted, take a bunch of hits, risk injury, that's not the ideal situation in my mind for rookie quarterbacks. Yeah, guys like Trevor Lawrence overcome that type of stuff. Daniel Jones looks really, really good, but you could also end up like Geno Smith and and really be written off early in your career, be on a bad team, and seven, eight years down the line, get a second chance. Some do, but often you don't get that second chance. So I can understand why people would view him as a project, but I can also see why he would want to start right away. He's a competitive guy. Where he winds up I think will be obviously the biggest determinant of his timeline of development if he goes to a team with a proven quarterback where he can learn the position and keep developing that i think would really really benefit him i mentioned covering him in high school he did not play for a team that like i said was super competitive which didn't give him a chance to run a an, any type of offense that's going to translate to the nfl he's still so very very early in terms of his development as a quarterback but as we saw in indianapolis a ton of promise, a ton of potential. This is a quarterback-driven league. Teams take chances on quarterbacks all the time. And this year especially, there's double-digit teams that I think are going to take a quarterback early in this draft, and that could lead to Richardson, The combination of those, being one of those top guys taken.
1: How high do you think he could potentially go?
0: I think he goes in the top 10. I think you look at teams at number 9 there, like the Carolina Panthers, who interviewed him earlier in the week, along with a couple other quarterbacks, I think a team like that that has not had a proven quarterback, has a few young guys on their roster, Sam Darnold, Matt Corral, they took a quarterback last year. They need a quarterback to get back to where they were. Obviously, the Cam Newton comparisons have been there. That's a desirable thing, I think, for the Panthers. I don't think he slips past the Panthers at number nine. Someone will take a chance on him. If he's still there at number nine is the better question in my mind. I think he will go before that. Just too much potential. And there are some teams I think that are comfortable with the veteran quarterback market. I think it's abundant where they're comfortable having another guy that will help ease that transition or at least be there to start day one if Richardson is not ready.
1: Now, let's talk about some of the I don't want to say red flags, right? Everyone's going to have question marks, but uh, he hasn't been mocked first overall. That's because you've got some uh, two elite defensive linemen and obviously Bryce Young's been getting a lot of that attention. So um, what's keeping him from being more of a sure thing for prospects uh, or excuse me, for scouts and and kind of keeping some question marks around him?
0: I think obviously what he put on film last year is maybe top of that list in a sense. You've seen the interceptions. Yeah, he didn't have double-digit interceptions, but he did make some bad throws. He keyed in on receivers too often. He failed some receivers at other times. A lot of his throws were really, really impressive, NFL-caliber throws. And the biggest thing I think that NFL teams desire from a quarterback is that arm strength along with obviously the mental attributes, but that can be learned. The footwork can be corrected. Some of those decisions are leading teams to question whether he will ever become that top-notch caliber quarterback. He wasn't completing 70% of his passes at the college level, which we have seen quarterbacks do. He maybe has some questions about accuracy right now, and you can't afford that in the NFL. If guys are going to make mistakes, if they're not going to overcome it, that can absolutely be detrimental to your Your team, And I think that's the biggest question mark with Richardson. We have seen guys, though, be on seven-win, six-win teams and become great NFL quarterbacks. Justin Herbert comes to mind. There's a ton of them out there. You can see them overcome that. So I wouldn't really use his record against him necessarily. There was a ton of problems at Florida over the last two years. There were some questions, I think, about Dan Mullen not playing him, whether that was – Maybe he saw something in his progression. And maybe the biggest reason that I haven't seen documented too much, I do think, and I I love the guy, so I'm not trying to slander him in any way, but I think as a leader, he still has room to grow. And I think he would tell you that. He's his own biggest critic, and I think that he has to do better as a leadership. He's a little bit more soft-spoken then I think many people realize a little bit kind of a quiet guy. He's not the guy to reach out too much to organize meetings with wide receivers. He's going to need to change all that. He's going to need to live in the building. He's going to need to take his development seriously. If he does all that, I think he can be an absolute great NFL quarterback. He has questions in front of him, but knowing how hard he works, knowing how motivated he is, I think he's going to overcome it. it. Is he perfect right now? No, but far few people are. And I think that teams realize that and they're willing to take a chance on someone who's motivated to get there.
2: Graham, you kind of answered my next question. I was going to ask you, how, how do teammates respond to him? How How do you view him as a leader? Because you've been able to watch his entire high school career uh, go into the college level at, at Florida. How do teammates respond to him uh, in the locker room and on the practice field and, and, and on, on the field on Saturdays?
0: I think the biggest, thing that he does maybe is an intangible thing is just giving you this innate confidence that you're going to be in the game you're going to have a chance even when you're down 17 you're this guy who can hurdle defenders make 60 yard throws downfield can run a hurry up offense can get you down the field quickly like I said that gives you a lot of confidence from offense to defense across the board he's not so much a vocal rallying type guy but his presence when you see his athleticism when you see what he's capable of doing, that in itself is his strongest leadership quality right now in my mind, the motivation that he provides. The other areas, organizing for practice, bonding with his receivers, that's the way that I need to see, in my mind, Anthony Richardson take a few more steps forward. He hasn't been a starting quarterback for too long, just one year, had a few appearances in his second year of football uh, in 2021, so really not a huge amount of opportunities to lead a team, he's going to need more opportunities moving forward, and he's going to have to take advantage of those to become a better leader and gain more respect within a locker room. Because in the NFL, it's not enough to have athleticism, to be strong. Every guy has that. You have to absolutely not just walk the walk. You have to talk the talk in the NFL and that's where Richardson needs to take the next step
1: all right well Curtis and I are going to be making the case for a QB at five for the Seahawks but Graham you have done plenty and given us plenty of insight to go off of so we're going to let you go you're very busy and then we're going to take everything we learn from this and uh, and cover it with everyone next don't go anywhere thank you Graham
0: my pleasure thanks for having me
1: all right like I mentioned coming up next I know that the Seahawks need a lot of defensive help but we're going to be doing a devil's advocate argument here making the case for a QB at five
2: Bump and Stacy.
0: Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios on Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Curtis,
1: a devil's advocate argument is where you say something that supports an opinion that is unpopular or maybe even a little controversial. And I think in this case, the Seahawks doing anything except for taking a defensive lineman, specifically a defensive tackle at number five, is a devil's advocate argument. All year long, we've known the defense has been an issue, right? I mean, yes. I remember putting out a poll being like, should the Seahawks still take a quarterback at five? And it was like 98% of people said defensive lineman. And not only that, but I had a million comments of people being like, what are you talking
0: about?
1: Geno's <laughs> the answer. <laughs> 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 yeah, and, then, and then a couple weeks later, they were like, Geno is too rich for my blood. <laughs> but, it's, I, but they're right. Defensive line has been such a clear issue for this team.
2: Whenever I hear a devil's advocate argument, it makes me think of, like, when you're in college and your professor's giving a lecture and there's that kid <laughs> with, like, the half unbuttoned shirt, long flowing hair. Yeah. He's kind of leaning he back in his back. chair. He raises his hand <sighs> and he just gives it, like, the one finger, not not like a full hand raise. yeah, raises, yeah. Like, yeah. I'm just gonna play devil's advocate here and for you're a like, second. Wow, it's like, oh great, here we go. Gonna this, say lecture's gonna, yeah, this, l- this lecture's going. Yeah, this this lecture's going at least 15 minutes over. Oh, wow. I'm not excited. And he's for He's gonna what's say about something to
1: real problematic. Yeah. Where you're like, this guy's just trying to be <laughs> controversial, like, and you're like, who uh, let you yeah, in here? <laughs>
2: I didn't know you needed to be the main character Are of you, this. Yeah. You know, 200 people lecture hall. That's here. my role, first yeah. of all.
1: I, if anyone's gonna have main character syndrome,
2: it's gonna be me. Uh, but. Making the case for a quarterback at number five, uh boy, just seeing all the workouts from Indianapolis over the weekend, it's hard to pass <sighs> on any of the four that we see at the very top. Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Will Levis, and then Anthony Richardson who stole the show and who we talked to uh at length about with Graham Hall just, you know, what, fifteen minutes ago. Yeah. Uh I gotta be honest, Stacy. I'm going to have a real hard time seeing the Seahawks pass a quarterback at either 5 or 20.
1: Yeah, well, certainly not if if Anthony Richardson is available at 20, but will he be? I mean, Graham Hall certainly doesn't think so. And based on his weekend at the Combine, I don't think so either. Anthony Richardson set quarterback records in the vertical jump, 40.5. Long jump, 10 feet, 9 inches. His 40 time was not a quarterback record. However, it was the fourth fastest ever by a quarterback. The other three, though, were all smaller by at least 20 pounds. All were under two twenty-five, which was RG three, Michael Vick, and I forget the third quarterback. Uh, Richardson is six four two forty-four, so just as so like a like heads a up, tank he ran you. a four four. I think his unofficial was a four four three, and then his official was above that. But let's say Pretty he's got good. a four four. It's all at- right. At six four two forty four, it's fine. It's not a, it's okay. I wouldn't say it's elite. <laughs> it's at a dual fourth,
2: fourth fastest. What I yeah, hear is whatever. that
1: there are three quarterbacks fast. That's than exactly him. what I'm hearing. Can they draft Michael Vick at nine? That's what I want to know. <laughs> dual threat quarterback who's dropped. Listen to what Dan Orlovsky has to say about him.
0: I want to remove the phrase or the word project from Anthony Richardson. I yeah. don't see him as that. I mm-hmm. see him as an opportunity or an investment. This young man is a unicorn. I mean, he is uniquely talented with his size, his athleticism, and his natural throwing. When I hear project, I hear hear of a guy that you got to get him better as a thrower and whatnot, or it's Mm -hmm. not natural. I don't see that with Anthony. I just see a young man that's crazy talented that needs good quarterback coaching. Whoever drafts him, if they have that, and you're patient. You got a superstar top five player at the position in the NFL.
1: Is he an opportunity for the Seahawks at five or later? Let's say, you know, seven, eight, nine. If they trade back, certainly not out of the top 10, though.
2: I think if Richardson does fall to an organization like the Seahawks, it will set him up very well for future success in the NFL, Uh, because I don't think the world's going to be asked of him right out of the gate the way it would if, say, the Texans were to draft him at number one. Or uh, number two, I should say, or if the Colts were to draft him, uh, or if the Panthers were to draft him. I feel like those teams are in so desperate need of a quarterback that they would ask him to be the starting quarterback from day one, whereas here, if Geno Smith does resign, and there are still question marks as to whether or not he's going to get the franchise tag, what that means for him going forward, if that's a good thing or not, that he will not or that he might not get the franchise tag. Maybe that means there's something cooking in terms of an extension before the league year opens with Gino. We don't know on that front, but let's say Gino does come back. You're not asking Richardson to start from day one. Mm -hmm. If he does come to Seattle, it allows him to get his legs underneath him. It allows him to get up to speed at the NFL level. And look, there were question marks. Like you said about Patrick Mahomes coming out of Texas tech. What did he do his rookie season in the NFL? He sat behind Alex Smith. He learned from Andy Reid. He got his legs underneath him and became a generational quarterback, became who that same Dan Orlovsky said was like the second-best quarterback of all time already through, what, five or six seasons? So there is precedent in terms of of Patrick Mahomes. Now, I'm not saying that Anthony Richardson is going to be that, and it would be incredible if he did become that. Um, But Seattle is a situation where – If they do decide to go quarterback in the first round, whether it be at five or maybe they trade down to seven, trade down to nine, wherever that may be, I think that that quarterback is going to be set up to succeed much more so than any other organization Mm -hmm. that they go to because it's not just the coaching staff here. It's the weapons that they're throwing to DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett only make quarterbacks better. Uh, you've got a a thousand yard rusher in your backfield and Kenneth Walker, you've got some good tight ends here. You've got a a young offensive line and and maybe they address the offensive line too early on in the draft. We know center is a position of need, but you've got your tackles set. So the offense right now is, is not a question mark and can be, uh, you know, an avenue for success for any young quarterback coming in here.
1: Yeah. Curtis, you know, you and I are best friends forever.
2: I I'm sure.
1: Unfortunately, um we during these two shows only get 2 hours oh, per show. yeah, that's cuz we've had live Mariners baseball on both days. And on both days, we've gotten you guys ready for these games mm. with some pretty, pretty fun previews. I believe we had Shannon on Friday. Anyways, uh, <laughs> look, the more important <laughs> no, we thing we had Jonathan need, Mayo Jonathan on, Friday. on Friday. We had Shannon prospect, on Thursday. Shannon on Thursday. And we're continuing to get you ready. Unfortunately, it's cutting our time together short. But more importantly, it's taking you to Mariners baseball. So that is an hour from now. You've got live play-by-play for the Mariners. Seattle taking on the Cubs. Luis Castillo gets the start. You'll see one of their top prospects, and Bryce Miller follow him. But we're going to get you ready for this one. Again, talking about the latest from string training, Daniel Kramer of MLB.com. This time, don't go anywhere.